0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff, here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and soon to be joined by Stephen Shock, host of the Shock Factor podcast with our old friends Jake Mintz and Jordan Schusterman. Also, he's got his own big donkey brand now, and you probably know him from his interview a couple years ago that went viral when he was pitching for virginia in the regionals well
2: emotions are go in win
1: he talked i heard a fan offer about dipping
2: dots if i blew it
1: Dippin' dots
2: the price of dipping dots with inflation is just unreal so for a brief moment i was like damn dipping dots sound good
1: he talked about but
2: as long as you got your 26 guys ready to kick ass kicking
1: butt or kick butt he talked about his dogs thinking he's cool
2: yeah i think i'm a cool guy my dogs think I'm awesome.
1: He talked about being afraid of caves. I
2: don't see any caves out here. I know. We're in the south, but it's not the desert. That's where I find most caves are probably at. Hey, and that but.
1: basically set him off on his uh, what is now his career. And he is going to join us. We're very excited about that. We'll talk some College World Series. Ton of draft prospects in the College World Series. So we're very excited about that. We'll also talk about the newest member of the Top 100 Prospects list, we're going to highlight a couple of players from the prospect team of the week and wrap up as always by answering a question from the mailbag. Can I ask you a question Jason?
3: Not from the mailbag.
1: Not from the mailbag. Submit it via the mailbag. No. I only answer.
4: Que- no. <laughs> I was just thinking cuz you know Jordan Schusterman of Suspettus Barbecue preceded you as the host on the Pipeline podcast. And I was just curious if you were to leave us and go on to have your own podcast, which player would you want to do that podcast with? And you cannot, wow. you cannot take Steven because they've already claimed him. But I was just curious, like who you would want to be your, oh man, your player uh, joining you on your podcast if you could pick one. <sighs> does it uh, does it need to be a, a current player?
1: It could no. be whoever. No, no restrictions. Steven Let's...
4: Steven's not a current player. He he's not playing anymore. Right.
1: I don't know. You put me on the spot here. Got to. Well, you can think. Why don't you think
4: about it? And after we interview him, we'll we'll come back to the question. I'll answer it in the mailbag. There you go. That's that's from Jim
1: Callis, at Jim Callis MLB. Jim C. <laughs> um, so the Super Regionals, we headed into the Super Regionals. We were excited about that because, well, let's take a step back. When we entered the Regionals, there were like 73 of the top 200 prospects, draft prospects, participating in the Regionals. Went on to Super Regionals. We had 37 of the top 200. Um, now it's been pared down. Uh, Eight teams eliminated, but we still have 27 of the top 200 draft prospects participating in the College World Series, including the 10 highest ranked prospects that went into the Super Regionals and 14 of the 15 highest ranked. So it's absolutely loaded. We have the top three prospects overall, six of the top 10. Um, we, we haven't seen this in, I don't know if we've ever seen it, but certainly not in a while.
3: No, I, I did a little digging. I didn't go back too far, but over, you know, the last six college world series, there wasn't one in 2020. So going back to 2016, we haven't had anything close to, well, we had the six of the, the top 10, as you said. And uh, I think there were seven total top 10 prospects over those previous six college world series. We've never had more than three at one time. So this is really... Uh, unprecedented, at least for the last little while. And I would imagine that it has not happened before. Um, you know, we'll, uh, we'll have to, I'll do some more digging and report back next week. But, You're going to have uh, to go back
4: to 1947.
3: Well, that was the first year you covered the College World Series, I think.
4: That's true. That's yeah. true. Actually, but, only
3: 1965. It, I mean, so it really draft. is unbelievable to be able to see. And, you know, and I think, you know, the added wrinkle of having the draft after the College World Series uh You know, makes it a little more intriguing. You know, for years and years, guys had already been drafted, and teams had to wait to sign them until after the college world series, and maybe worry about them getting hurt and things like that. But uh, you know, nothing's gonna you know move the needle too much. I wouldn't think. I think there are some players who could help themselves more or continue to help themselves, but uh, but but there's a little. I think it's a little more intriguing. You know, because these are games that are now being scouted for. For this current year's draft, as it's been the last couple of years,
4: yeah, I think it's a it's a easier way to sell the the College World Series too. When you have all these top players, I mean, you know, we've got the top three players on our list. You know, in in LSU's Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens and Florida's White Langford, who we think are you know as of now probably going to be the top three picks in the draft. We've got there's only four college pitchers who are going in the first round, and they're all in Omaha. You know, you've got Skeens, you got Chase Dolander of Tennessee, you got Hurston Waldrip of Florida. You got Rhett Lauder of Wake Forest. I'm pretty sure all four of those guys won super regional games to help their teams advance. So, I mean, we're going to see some pretty exciting pitching matchups in Omaha. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, going down the list, you mentioned Cruz, Skeens, Lankford, Dolander, Lauder, also Kyle Teal, number 10 on our top 200 list, catcher from Virginia, Tommy Troy um, of Stanford, shortstop, uh, Brock Wilkin, who's been huge, Wake Forest, Braden Taylor, TCU. Uh, that's just going straight down the list, and all those guys in the top thirty overall. So uh, very exciting. Also, well, we have five of the top eight seeds advanced. Uh, Wake Forest, number one; Florida, number two; LSU, number five; Virginia, number seven; and Stanford, number eight. What do you get? What do you guys think? uh headed into this, you have you have a team picked. You got. You got your favorite? Is it you going number one?
3: I, I tend not to go number one. I mean, Jim probably knows the history more. Is that a med-
1: medical condition? <laughs>
4: well, no, no. No number one overall seed has won the College World Series since 1999. And and they haven't gotten – last year, Tennessee didn't get there. The year before that, Arkansas didn't get there. Tennessee doing what Arkansas did after failing to capitalize that number one seed, making it back to Omaha the following year. But the the number one national seed does not win – very often <laughs> but so, so so who are you picking who are you picking John? <laughs> he's gone
3: i'm too busy laughing why are you laughing at me come on i'm not laughing at you uh jason's just slipped in a uh, uh slipped in a side comment there that i think you missed entirely i missed cuz
4: i was i was multitasking i was multitasking so so, so what did I miss? I'm sorry. I was trying to look up Jonah. You'll Cox's- have
1: to listen to the podcast, Jim. Okay.
4: Yes. <laughs> I will. I will. Anyway, anyway, I was trying to look up Jonah Cox's hitting streak. You didn't even mention Oral Roberts being the third number four seed since they went to this format to make it to Omaha. So I was trying to look up Jonah Cox's hitting streak, which is now at 47 games, tied for the third longest in NCAA history. And I, I guess I was oblivious. So.
1: Yeah, so... Unseeded teams yeah didn't mention the unseated teams Oral roberts uh tcu tennessee stanford did is it, we cover all 8 there now yeah so uh yeah. jonathan you're on you're on the spot here
3: yeah i uh i, I think i'm going to go with the uh, the florida gators uh, i think uh pitching is going to be important and some of it's going to depend the, the, the their pitching can either be extremely dominant or or you know they've been a little inconsistent, but I think you know combination of Brandon Sprout and Hurston Waldrop, has probably helped himself more than any other draft prospect during the postseason. I would say, uh, you know, it, he continues that run. And, you know, and of course, uh, you know they've got other players there, but uh, that's uh, so I'm going to go with the Gators. Jason, what about you?
1: I'm going. I'm going with Wake Forest to break the break the streak.
4: All
3: right. The, the interesting thing with Wake
4: is that I think the, 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 they would be my pick also because they have the deepest pitching staff in Omaha, and I'll go with the deepest pitching staff. I, I like LSU, and they're in the same bracket. LSU's pitching depth after Paul Skeen's is a little shaky, so I'm going to go with Wake. But the interesting thing to see, and this happens to a lot of teams. Wake hasn't been to Omaha in a while either. TD Ameritrade is a plays like a very big park, and Wake's ballpark plays like a launching pad. They hit hmm. a ton of home runs. But you, the, those teams often struggle in Omaha, especially when they, like, a program hasn't been there in a long time. I think Wake hasn't been there since they won it in 1955. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a big adjustment a lot of times for, for slugging teams when they get to Omaha. So I'm going to pick Wake with some trepidation, and I will pick – I'll just copy you. I'll pick Wake over Florida because I like Florida's pitching in the other bracket. I, I, I'll
1: second what Jonathan said. Do you think it also, the way the park plays, neutralizes a little bit the the benefit that they have from that pitching staff?
4: Not really, because I think it's just harder to score. Like like The, the depth that comes into play, because you might get in a game where your starter gets knocked out for whatever reason, second or third inning, or somebody's having trouble throwing strikes. I just think they have more options than the other teams do. But I, but I am concerned that an offense that relies so much on the home run you can't do that at TD Ameritrade. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see how that plays out. You know, none of those guys has ever played in Omaha before.
1: All right. Well, we do we want to talk more NCAA college baseball and who better to do that with than our guest, Steven shock. So we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we are going to have the big donkey on the show. That's coming up next on the MLB pipeline podcast.
3: conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and we are exceptionally happy to bring in our very special guest, Steven Shock. Guys, if we're going to have anyone on the show right now to talk about college baseball, is there anyone better to do this right now? Could, could we possibly find a better guest? I, I think not. <laughs>
2: I'm I'm absolutely honored to be here, guys. Like, it, it's a real honor. I've listened for a long time. I've tried to be. I I spent probably a solid seven years trying to be featured. You know, maybe they say, "Hey, this guy will go first overall." It didn't work out, but that's okay. I'm happy to be here in this regard.
1: <laughs> yeah. So let's give a little bit of background. If anybody, you know, if anybody doesn't know who Steven is, you've become re-famous. This week, uh, for, for, <laughs> you you became famous like two years ago i think just did you celebrate the anniversary because i think it was yeah it was uh
2: june 4th of 2021 was when it happened which at that time if you asked me the date i probably wouldn't have known because school was out and i was just playing baseball so like the days didn't really matter and it was super regional so or it was regional so it was all over the place but to see it circulating again is really funny because they it, it's circulating in a strange time because Virginia's going to Omaha. They're still winning baseball games. So people think that maybe I'm still on the team and like, yeah. I'm getting messages like, Hey, good luck out there in Omaha. And I, <laughs> I don't have the heart to tell them
4: like, Hey, I think I blow a game out there. Actually. I think I remember how it goes. <laughs> well, what have happened, you seen- Steven? I was going to say, why did it recirculate? Cause I saw mm. it over the weekend. I think the ACC network put it out and then I, I saw it. And my first thought was, did he get in full uniform for the super regionals <laughs> to root on the Cavaliers? Like, what's going on? And then the reaction was like, oh, great interview. And it and I was like, I think that interview's from two years ago, right? Yeah. Like, how did I, this happen?
2: I don't know. So I was I went to a super regional game at UVA, watched them play Duke. It was a very good game. They won. And I was sitting on the couch just at my hotel or the place I was staying airbnbs you know all, all sorts of crazy things um but that's beside the point and I just got a notification that was like um this is like gonna be the greatest interview of all time and I was like wait a minute I didn't and like I got a notification it was like on twitter where you see so and so liked this tweet you're mentioned in and I was like Wow, someone was way back on ACC Networks page, so I clicked it, and I saw posted in 2023. I was like, "Wait a minute, that didn't just happen." It, it was just such a confusing moment because then everyone else started reposting it, and the ACC knows I'm not playing in their conference right now. Um, I think they're aware of that, <laughs> at least a little bit. So I was surprised that there is no context, no nothing. <laughs> it was like. I, I saw one, I don't know what website it was, put out an article and was like, Stephen Shock went viral over the weekend after pitching against Duke in Super Regionals. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the last time I pitched against Duke was... Two, two and a half years ago, but all right,
1: I'll take it, sure. Yeah, there are articles in like the Daily Mail and the Mirror in, in the UK <laughs> yeah. about this,
3: saying that this just happened. You're, you're huge in Great Britain, evidently. <laughs> I'll take it, I'll take it. I think what we're going to have to do, I mean, I guess we can just resurface the video, but I think like every five years you should just put the uniform on and recite the interview, sort of like a Casey at the Bat kind of deal.
2: <laughs> I love it. I Like the words are so burned into my brain now. Cause you know, if you asked me directly after, like what I said, like when I walked to the team huddle afterwards, people were like, so what did you say? I, I couldn't tell you, I I know I probably used the word and at some point, but that was about (laughs) it. (laughs) Um, So, but now it's kind of etched in there. It's kind of something
1: that's obviously had to stick with me. (laughs) Hey, when that happened, were you like, you know, were you like it's about time the world has has recognized my genius? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even realize anything was different than
2: usual because like we had a doubleheader that day because we were in the losers bracket and we won the first game so we had to play a doubleheader and so our second game of the day was against ODU which um it was just a regular game happened about thirty minutes to an hour after the interview happened so I wasn't on my phone I didn't really realize anything changed and like in the interview that was just kind of how I am as a human being like my brain's kind of just like a stream of consciousness flow of words that I don't really filter out or think about and just kind of happens and so I didn't think anything of it and then I got to my phone at the end of the game and like people were walking by the bullpen going like yo donkey I was like okay this is way different than usual so something's weird but you know we're playing ODU maybe people are familiar with virginia and things like that and then i checked my phone and it was like oh you have a different life now um yeah. <laughs> just by the <laughs> way but i was so fired up because the game that like all this was happening during was the game where brandon neek for uva struck out uh i believe it was 15 batters in six innings in relief which was just like the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe that was, ha- that was probably my favorite part of the day. If I'm being honest with you, cause it was the most incredible performance I've ever seen. And it meant I got another day playing baseball. So <laughs> it was all in all, probably one of my better days of living, I would say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so t- tell us a little bit about what led up to that point, because you took, a very circuitous route to that point. I mean, you were went to Appalachian State, um, didn't play there, then went to University of Maryland, Baltimore County baseball powerhouse. <laughs> of course, of course, of course, and then and. and How did you end up at Virginia?
2: Yeah, so my freshman year, this is actually one of my favorite things about my baseball career is when I transferred from App State, they like wiped me from the surface of the earth. So I was our most used freshman there, but they won't let you know about it out of the bullpen, at least. So like it it was fun there. I had a good time. It was in the mountains, kind of far away from everyone I knew. Um, And I'm from between Baltimore and D.C., so the lifestyle of Boone, North Carolina was a little bit slower, a little bit different from what I preferred. So after uh, I got word that our coach was not invited to come back to the school, I was like, hey, you know what? I'll go somewhere where I know who the coach is. And so I transferred to UMBC, and that was a really fun time for me just because I got to play closer to home. We had a lot of friends and family who were able to come out and see me play instead of just kind of being in the woods playing where – the closest drive to me would be about five and a half hours so it it was a nice change of pace and I just got more comfortable I sat out my first year at UMBC and it really stunk because you can't play baseball like it's the thing hey I transferred to this school to play baseball uh, and now I can't do it because I have to sit out because the NCAA has their rules so I sat out that year and just kind of I really, it opened my eyes to how grateful I should be that I actually get to play the game when I get to play it. And it just kind of opened my eyes to how, how serious I needed to take the game because, to me, nothing was more important than winning, but if I acted out there like, oh, all I, ha- I, I need to win. If I don't win, my life is just useless, meaningless, then I was never going to have success. So I really honed in on my mentality and worked out that year. And then that summer, I had a good summer playing summer ball, played in the Bethesda Big Train, and got invited to play in the Cape Cod League, which was something I couldn't even believe was happening at the time because – you know, I dreamed of that since I was a kid. And so I went up there and had success and that got seen. And so I graduated from UMBC in 2019 and transferred to UVA. The fall of 2019 was my first fall there, which of course was super awkward because I transferred from UMBC, which they won that basketball game in 2019. And they beat UVA, and of course, and when you enter a grad program, everybody asks where you went to undergrad, <laughs> so couldn't really avoid that one. But yeah, that's how I ended up um, in that interview. You know, transferred from UMBC to UVA. I was a little heavier at UMBC, maybe like two hundred eighty pounds. They wanted me around two thirty five. We got there somehow. Um, don't know how. Shout out to Coach Ed and the strength program there for <laughs> <laughs> running me to till I got there and then we got to play it was just the best like for me all it was was i just really appreciated the opportunities to play the game because you know coaches don't have to choose me they they can pick someone else there's guys who throw 98 miles an hour on just about every staff now um that guy could go in but they picked me and they trusted me so it was it was a big moment for me to go in and you know have success against south carolina right before that interview and Honestly, what you're seeing is just a result of a guy who is pretty tired um, from the heat. Um, A few Red Bulls were in them. Some ibuprofen, maybe. Who knows? Um, And just a ton of love for the game of baseball because it it truly is the best.
4: I want to ask you, Stephen, what was your game plan after college? Did you have one? I mean, did you think you'd be doing what you're doing today where you're kind of like the I don't know, the everyman voice of college baseball or what what were you thinking you were going to do when you left Virginia?
2: Yeah, if someone told me this is where I was going to end up, like if if you showed a 16 year old me a magic ball into the future and I was here, I'd tell you, I I I don't know how um, or why that would happen, but that would be really cool. And I would love to do that. So before the interview and everything happened i had planned on moving to wilmington north carolina signed a lease and everything and i did end up living there it was a great place to live but uh i had set up an interview with a local state farm down there where i was going to be an insurance agent um so shout out rob Nen, state farm um down in wilmington (laughs) north carolina sorry i didn't show up for the job interview um I did communicate that I wasn't going to show up. So I wasn't rude (laughs) about it, but, but, uh, yeah, so I'm sorry things didn't work out, but also not really. Um, it, 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 I love where I'm at, so I I just couldn't be more appreciative for the people who support me to get me to this point, and you know, continue to give me this opportunity. Because you know, I'll go to a college baseball game, and I'll get stopped by people who will say like, "Oh, I love your Twitter. Thanks for what you do for the game." But what I what I think people don't realize is like, my Twitter is just like, oh, someone sent me a cool clip that they would like posted, and so I post it for them, and it's just. <laughs> i i'm where i'm at because someone decided to shine a spotlight on me and like now i have that
3: spotlight and i just want to point it at everybody else well, i think it's also what you do with the spotlight right you know and and, and the way you handle that uh, even if it was thrust upon you i think is what uh i think is <laughs> to uh, put it you're sort of like the the everyman i think people see you Stephen, and say all right like if things have gone differently like i I could see being that guy, like you know, like you said. I, I don't throw super hard, but you know, and just the way you talk about the game. I mean, it's better than talking about insurance, I'm sure. But uh, you know, being able to do this, uh, you know, I'll speak for all of us on here. Like the fact that we get to do this for a living, I never take for granted. So I, you know, I would imagine it's the it's the same for you. And I want to sort of shift and start talking about the you know the game that's going on right now, as we're you know just finished up super regionals. Uh, and head to the College World Series. And uh, Jason had pointed out your tweet from February when you predicted who was going to be in the College World Series or as a gopher, you predicted who was going <laughs> to. Um, and if, if we looked at it correctly, you got five out of the eight. Right. And the other three teams you predicted were in a super regional. Can, Can we, we go to two, Vegas well, two soon?
4: Two <laughs> of them were. I don't think Oregon State made it. So but, but yeah, still right, not okay, taken right. away. We but uh I, I hope you had like some kind of parlay with that. No, uh, so I don't
2: I don't know how to gamble. It's too much math. Like I'm good at math, but this like they don't give you the pieces to the word problem correctly in my mind. So it's just too much work for me. I cannot believe Fair. That I got five out of eight correct because this was mainly just supposed to be a joke about magic gophers, um, <laughs> even though I know Puxitani Phil is obviously a groundhog. I think I tweeted this near Groundhog Day. I'm not really sure. But either way, it, like a lot of the stuff I put out there is just like, I think it would be fun to say something like this. And, you know, I, I didn't even think about these predictions till my, till my wife pointed them out to me and she was like, Hey, did you know you got five out of the eight, right? in this stupid tweet you did, it's like, no, I didn't. So like, it's really funny just like how into it everybody gets. Cause I love how much fans care, but also if I'm guessing who's going to win a baseball game. That has no effect on what's going to happen in the baseball game. Whoever's going to win it is going to win it. You know, I'm just guessing, you know, and that's the fun part of it. We just have fun. We like to engage with uh, at D1 Baseball. They do the picks all the time, and I got added to that to this season, which, you know, I'm hopeful that my prediction is what earned me that spot and will keep me in the league. I won't get relegated, but a lot of the times I would just pick based on who I liked. So I I think that's one thing that kind of helps people relate to me is the fact that I don't put way too much thought into it. I just see it as it is. I I see what they put in front of us. And then I make my decisions based on that instead of, oh, well, I know this coach knows that this is going to happen at this moment. Like that's, that's way too much to know. I want to be
1: surprised sometimes. (laughs) So what, what is your guess? Uh, going into Omaha. Jeez. Oh, I
2: you know, everybody will say it it's because I went there, but I, I love Virginia <laughs> to do it. Well, I, that's fine. I just can't go against Brian O'Connor in his own home. You know, it's like I I respect all these other coaches and all these other teams are incredibly talented. And me saying I think Virginia's gonna win it means probably nothing. But At the same time, how many coaches are in the statue? I don't know if Coach Oak is officially in the statue. I think he
4: is. He, I think he but, officially is, because that, that's from a photo that ran I, in the Omaha paper, I believe.
2: Okay, good, good. I don't know if he'll ever go on record admitting it. I asked him when we took our team picture in front of it which one he was, and he wouldn't tell me. Um, so I just started <laughs> guessing. I just started guessing the ugliest ones. My thought process was he would go, no, I'm not that ugly, and he would tell me that person's name could eliminate it. Um, but... <laughs> But um yeah, it's just I've seen him as a leader, the way he can handle teams and the way this team handles adversity. I'm I'm really uh I really believe in them, but I mean there's just so many all these teams have such loaded lineups. I mean, you look at LSU, Wake Forest, they every one through nine their hitters are putting the ball out of the out of the park. It's incredible stuff. So my official prediction, I'm not sure who will win it. I, I want it to be Virginia, but I will go on the record saying we will get a lot of great college baseball at the highest of levels, and it's going to be amazing.
4: Stephen, I just wanted you to – you got to pitch in the College World Series. You've attended the College World Series. I know Jonathan has been. It's kind of a running gag in the show. We first met at the College World Series. I have no recollection. Remember. No recollection of meeting <laughs> yeah. Jonathan. I'm that memorable. Like what was it 20 years ago? I have no recollection. It, over by Zesto's, I think you said Jonathan, but I have no recollection. <laughs> I'll I take that. his word for it. I don't think Jason has been to the College World Series. Correct, Jason? That's
1: correct. I have not. I and I, I always need tell to people, change
4: that. I say this all the time. It's my favorite baseball event. Until you witness it, you can't imagine what a great job Omaha does with it. But Steven, could you just Talk about, like, your thoughts on why it's such a great event. It's
2: such a great event, and it's so unique because just the way the game of baseball shapes up. So, you know, people will talk all the time, oh, baseball needs to be played faster and all this and that. The fact that these games can't be played in an hour is the best thing about it because what that means is there's all these players, all these guys who are going to be drafted in the first round, with nothing to do but walk around and be among the fans because i mean you can sit in the hotel room and you can hang out but as a player you want to walk around the baseball village you want to take it all in you want to go to the other games and watch just because again the college world series is such an amazing and incredible event that like you're going to tell your kids you went to this (laughs) you know it's it's such a fun time and like the connections you can make as a fan with the players and how accessible the players are is what I think really makes it unique. Cause you know, in in the NCAA tournament for other sports like basketball, for example, there's not as much player connection time. There's not as much motivation to go watch the other teams play because it's more, okay, well, we're going to stick to our game plan and stick to what we know, but baseball it's like, okay, we can go and scout the other team as players but when you end up when as a player you go to a game even if you ate right before and you're completely full it's like i'm at a baseball game i'm going to get a, you end up you end up slipping into remembering that you're also a fan of the game of baseball which is just such a beautiful thing and like as a player that was my favorite part and now going back as a fan my favorite part is just how Easy it is to find these guys and talk to these guys, and I'm not just talking like me as in Stephen Shock in Omaha, like obviously, I tag these guys in tweets every week they 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 probably are gonna know to talk to me and know that I'm gonna try to talk to them, but like just watching them interact with people they've never met, they have no idea who they are, they just all stop and take the time to talk to them because. You know, as a player, this is a moment you're never going to get back. They, you know, if I signed up for that insurance job and none of this happened, no one would be stopping and asking for my autograph except on their personal articles policy. So um, <laughs> it, it's just such a special moment. And seeing the guys take it all in is something that, you know, it's like it's like a mom watching the kids open presents on Christmas.
3: You just sit there and your heart's all warm. And it's like, this is nice. You yep. Stephen, one of the things you know because we're so draft focused, you know where we are. So we we look at a lot of the top performers and and things like that. And it's different now because the draft comes after the College World Series. Uh, inevitably, there's always stuff that comes up about you know usage of pitchers. Mm-hmm. And I think right now the third rail might be Quinn Matthews. Um, and I you know we saw that you tweeted about him. Uh, I think we tweeted from the pipeline account. Obviously, incredible performance to help Stanford get there. But that's a lot, a lot of pitches. How do you like find the balance? Like you knew that you were going to pitch until your arm fell off, and you were, and then you were, you were done. You weren't going to play at the next level. A guy like Quinn Matthews, you know, he may go in the second round or something like that. I remember back back to when I went to the College World Series, and Jim didn't remember meeting me. <laughs> <clears throat> um, Stanford had a guy named John Hudgens who made three starts in Omaha in nine days. And it was after the Rangers had already taken him in, uh, I think it was the third round. But, uh, and he, you know, he never made it uh, up up to the big leagues. But are there any concerns? You know, there's got to be a balance, doesn't there, in terms of you want your team to win, you want to help your team win. But there's also a future to, to worry about.
2: Yeah, so this is one of those points. For me, it was an easy decision. I had told Coach Oak. Before we even started our postseason run, because I was a little banged up and everybody knew it. And I was like, hey coach, just so you know, I'm willing to burn the ship. I don't really care if like <laughs> if like if my career ends trying to get this team to Omaha, then that's how I want it to, to end. So I had that comfort of knowing. But for guys who are trying to play at the next level, having these long outings, a lot of people can see it as something that's concerning. But to me, you know, College baseball is so special in the sense that winning means a lot to these kids. Like, because it's not just, oh, we want to win to get this signing bonus or to get this cloud or to increase our fans. It's, we want to win because that's our best friend right next to us who we threw up together during conditioning. And we've had some of the best nights of our life together and we want to stay together for one more game. So seeing these guys play with that passion and that heart, just going into it is so much fun to see. And just Quinn Matthews, all he was doing was going out trying to get another day with his friends. And it obviously worked for him and pitch counts. They can get, they can get wonky, but the truth of the matter is, I don't know a ton about, you know, which pitch number is it that's going to snap my UCL or snap this person's arm or end this person's career. It's unknown. You know, we've come a long way from the days where, you know, Cy Young and Ru were throwing 20 innings of a double header against each other and just punching each other back, back and forth. Um, we've come a long way since then in terms of arm care. So, you know, potentially, maybe these outings aren't as bad. It's, it's one of those things where ignorance is kind of bliss and you want to you wanna hope we never find out the long-term effects of what it could do to this kid's arm. But also, at the same time, I completely understand it from Quinn Matthews' perspective of, you know, my team needs me here. Last night, our bullpen, you know, they struggled. So I want to give them another day's rest so when we need them tomorrow, they can be comfortable, they can be healthy and ready to do their job and ready to, you know, kind of shove so we can get to Omaha. So him going out, leading by example, I was honestly blown away by it because, you know, the pitching coach might come out and say, hey, look, we we got to take you out here. He didn't even know how many pitches he was at. He was just he was just going for it. He said he knew his pitch count was a little elevated, but he's been extended before. He's had 120, 130 pitch outings plenty of times this season. So in that instance, I, I get it. Um, I understand it could potentially be a risk, but you get the adrenaline flow and you're in the moment. It it's hard to it's hard to look past that. And as a as a college-aged player, it's hard to say, you know what? I want to step back and think about what's smart, and that's why I love college baseball, because it's not about, oh, what's the best idea for the long run? It's how do I win right now? How do I fight and claw my way back into this game so me and my friends can hang out for one more day before going to Summer Bowl and making new friends, but... We have these friends. We're already established. We'd like to hang out a little bit
1: longer. W- would you say Quinn Matthews had a lot of gumption?
2: Oh, he had so much gumption. One of my favorite words, of course. <laughs> he he went out there with the gumption of an elephant taking on an <laughs> army of mice in, in a situation. I need to add
3: gumption to our scouting reports.
2: I, I think gumption, like that's one of the intangibles in baseball where gumption, it's you either have it or you don't. And like Coach Oak at UVA, he would always say the moxie to it, which I think is similar to, to gumption. Moxie feels a little bit more attractive, a little bit cuter. So gumption, it's like, you know, I feel better referring to gumption. <laughs> it's also just fun to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I was going to ask you about uh, to define a couple, a couple other things. Sure. In, in addition to gumption. Um, one is, all right, your hat big donkey brand. I mean you're 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 blowing up now. You got your own brand here, big big donkey brand. I see a lot of the a lot of stuff on there just says grow the game. What what does that mean to you? What, what how do you see that playing out? What 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 does that mean? So what that
2: means to me is I just want more people to understand how awesome college baseball is because I feel it's really special. It's a market that you know not many people have really tapped into, but the people who've tapped in are all in. And, you know, everybody I have introduced to college baseball, a few people have been like, you know, not for me. No skin off my back. That's fine. That's not for them. Some people are some people don't like winning, too. That's fine. That's just how it is. Um, <laughs> but it's just such a special game. And these guys pour their hearts and souls into it. And the passion that these guys play with and the sacrifices they make just to be there because you know everybody looks at the college world series and they're like oh all these guys with their nil money like they they're they're all just so treated so well and given everything in life and it's like no they aren't like nil isn't as big as most people think it is i would say in terms of college baseball where not every team's getting money some teams are some teams aren't i don't really understand how it works because They wouldn't let me get money when I played. So um, I'm sure if they were allowing me to make money from them, I would have figured out I would have known the system inside and out (laughs) to the best of my ability. But it's one of those things where these guys are doing it for the love of the game. They aren't all doing it to get rich. Sure, some of them will um, down the line, but they're doing it just because they, they go to a school. They end up either falling in love with the school or just falling in love with the team. And giving everything they got for that school and for that team and for their brothers on the team, it's just, it's such an amazing environment and such an amazing atmosphere and culture that is within college baseball that I really think more people would enjoy to see so that's why I love making these hats one I love crafts so it's a lot of fun um, so I actually make them all by myself wow. um, well with the help of my wife she helps me ship them but and design and then she does a lot um, so all the credits to her for helping me out um, but it's just I want to be a mobile billboard for college baseball, and I think this is my best way to start. Um, Face tattoos are probably off the cards for me, so this is (laughs) the next best thing. It's a good choice. Good life choice. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Steven, I I think we could talk to you all day, but we'll we'll let you go. I wanted one more definition from you absolutely do you know what the word spelunkophobia means
2: i uh, yeah yeah um yeah i do just because so one big thing for me getting through college for tests was if there were multiple choice um tests and there were words that were like I would I would look up the origin of words to figure out which would best answer questions based on connotation. I don't know if that's a great way to do multiple choice tests, but I remember a teacher telling me it was a good idea to try after I did not so good on one of the tests, which anytime a teacher tells you to maybe just guess next time, uh, it's not going great. So <laughs> – this is the fear of going in caves. Um, that's the long answer. Sorry, it took me a while to get there, but I wanted to explain that I knew what phobia meant because it's fear.
3: I love the context.
2: <laughs> I, pre- I feel it's important because if I just whip out the fact that I know it, people are probably like, oh, he's been diagnosed. But there it's like, no, I'm just going to, okay, super wonking that's going into caves. Don't like that. Um, phobia makes sense. <laughs>
1: Steve, thanks so much for joining us and uh, enjoy your time in Omaha. I I don't even have to say that. We know you're going to. Um, And and thanks very much. We are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the newest member of the Top 100 Prospects list. We're going to talk about the prospect team of the week. And we're going to answer a question from the mailbag. That's all coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Thanks to Steven Schock for joining us. Man, he was just as boring as I expected him to be, guys. <laughs> yeah, I wish he had brought his A-game today. It's, I'm very unenthused right now. Man, he's fun. Um, all right, let's 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 move on from college baseball talk, talk a little bit about some professional prospects, minor leaguers. Well, first guy we're going to talk about is, is no longer a minor leaguer. Uh, our newest addition to the Top 100 Prospects list, is Braves pitcher AJ Smith Shaver and guys if i had told you 6 months ago that when we talked about AJ Smith Shaver in 6 months we'd be referring to him as uh, no longer a minor leaguer uh i'm guessing you would not have found that very believable
4: i think when when we had the predictions podcast that was my prediction you predicted yeah. that i think i had that
3: in january I so am gonna... you're
1: you're no steven shock you're no Gopher,
3: <laughs> yeah, I uh as the one who does the uh the Braves top thirty, I would not have guessed that. I mean, they, they were very high on him, but the, the guy had barely pitched. I, mean, I know we've sort of talked about him in the past some, but this is a guy who had ceiling. He you know, was a multi-sport guy, hadn't focused on pitching, was up and down last year in his first full season. They were pretty cautious because he hadn't pitched that much. And then they just kept moving them up. You know, the stuff was ridiculously good in the minor leagues, you know, up to 98 consistently, plus slider. The curveball was good. So it was a lot of interesting pieces. But I thought, all right, well, good. Maybe he'll, you know, finish the year in double A. And then for him to be in the big leagues and kind of being broken in uh, slowly out of the bullpen and maybe they'll start folding in some starts. And, they, like, it, it's astounding to me.
4: Yeah, it's funny, I was talking to um I first heard about him, he was in, in my neck of the draft, we have to make a neck of the draft reference yes. to the podcast until the draft. He was in my neck of the draft back in 2021, and he played at Colleyville Heritage, which was the same high school that Bobby Wood Jr. played at, and he had, Bobby's dad is now an agent with Octagon, that was his agent. And so when, I'm sure you get the same thing, John, this time of year, I get questions all the time, hey, what do you think so-and-so's chances are of playing in the Futures game? And and Bobby Witt Sr. reached out to me, I don't know, like six weeks ago and just said, hey, you think A.J. smith Shaver is going to be a candidate for Futures game? And I said, yeah, I would think so. Uh, you know, he's having a great year. You know, the Braves don't have the deepest farm system anymore. And then I joked, I was like, you know, unless he's in the big leagues by then, you know, at the rate he's going, we were both like, ha, ha, ha. And, <laughs> and, lo, and lo and behold, uh, you know, now he's, now he's in the big leagues and, and, and won't be in the Futures game, it doesn't look like, because he's pitching well, too.
1: He was... Number 17 on the Braves top 30 prospect list last year uh, jumped up to number four to start this year and now on the top 100 prospects list. Uh, all right, let's shift our focus to the prospect team of the week. Uh, this year, this week's squad looks like this. Brandon Valenzuela, uh, Padres catching prospect, Christian Encarnacion Strand continues to rake uh, second time he's been on the prospect team of the week this year, uh, Reds first-base prospect. Davis Schneider, uh, second-base prospect for the Blue Jays. Michael Bush uh, of the Dodgers. This is his fifth time uh, in his career being on the prospect team of the week. Marco Luciano, who has uh, struggled mightily but had a huge week. Giants shortstop prospect. Outfield is Judd Fabian of the Orioles. Luis Matos, another Giants prospect, and Yankee L. Fernandez of the Rockies. Pitching staff: Jackson Wolf of the Padres, Clayton Beater of the Yankees, and the relief pitcher Andre Granillo of the St. Louis Cardinals. Jim Michael Bush, fifth time on the prospect team of the week, uh, just the first time this year. But a guy that we've seen up and down a bit, and he just he keeps producing at the AAA level. Is it is it hard to see enough opportunity for him in the in the big leagues? this year or do you you think?
4: Yeah, I I think this year. Yes. I I don't think long-term necessarily, but you know, they've already worked to the Dodgers have already worked two rookies into their everyday lineup and Miguel Vargas and James Altman. And yeah, it's interesting. You know, he played Bush was drafted as a second baseman, played a lot of second base before this year. Now they have Miguel Vargas, the fellow rookies playing second base and they've had Bush spend most of his time at third base. Uh, in, in AAA, where he continues to produce. they have got Max Muncie at third base. <laughs> Max Muncy's 32, and he's hitting 191, but he's hitting a ton of home runs and drawing a ton of walks, so it's a very productive 191. Um, and it's kind of funny. I think I've written – I guess if, if Matt Bo- if, if Michael Bush was drafted in 2019, I've written five Dodgers scouting reports for him since he's joined the organization – and I almost always compare him, his offensive profile, to Max Muncie's, because um, like, they're, they're very similar and they're probably somewhat similar athletically. He's maybe a little more athletic than Max Muncie. But yeah, barring an injury, I don't know that there's much that Michael Bush can do except you know, continue to tear up Triple you know, A, which he's doing. Um, you know, he, hits, he hits for power, he draws walks, he just needs an opportunity. Um, you know, it's depending if the Dodgers are players, you know, who's available on the at the trade deadline. You know, maybe he's expendable. You know, you know because they have other young players as well, and they don't have a spot for him right now. But he's he's produced throughout his minor league career. He just is is kind of waiting for that full time opportunity. He was up a little bit this year, but only got 19 at bats in a little over a week,
1: and and then back to AAA. And Jonathan, speaking of. Guys without a spot. This, this. I was going to ask you. This reminds me of a thing we did a thousand years ago. Blocked, blocked prospects, mm-hmm. but Christian Encarnacion Strand, you know, looks like he's on the verge of joining this suddenly very, very exciting young Reds core: uh, McLean, L.A. de la Cruz, Andrew Abbott, and he has he has just been absolutely on fire at AAA. I think power over hit has slightly has been uh, as far as his tools grayed out. But I mean, my goodness, 362, 427, 734 this year. Uh, 32 home runs last year, hit 391 in his professional debut. I mean, the guy can just flat out rake.
3: Yeah, he always had this reputation. uh, And again, from Jim's neck of the draft uh, out of Oklahoma State, you know, with uh, sort of, as you said, power over hit, strength over bat speed but it's worked, you know, does he strike out a good amount? Yes. You know, could he draw more walks? Probably, but he's a career 328 hitter in the minors, you know, and now this year, I, you know, well, let's start with what he did this past week because it was nuts. You know, he had 526 and had a an, an ops over 1700. <clears throat> so now his OPS is over 1100. He's already got 17 homers, uh, you know, came over from from the Twins, and last last year hit right after the trade sometimes guys struggle a little bit and he didn't have a problem there the move up to triple a has not been a problem for him uh he's relatively young he doesn't really have a true defensive home i, I you know it's one of the one of the biggest issues he's played both infield corners he's best suited at first you know kind of what spencer steer has been doing so you know i don't know what the reds do you, they, as you pointed out, Jason? They've built a lot of excitement recently with the call-ups of some of these younger players, and they're playing better baseball. And and there's some some excitement there. You know, especially you know what happens at first base. You know, we'll have to wait and see. But you know, maybe they could bring him up, and they you know move him and Spencer Steer around. You know, give him some DH at bats. Uh, you know, Tyler Stevenson DHs a bunch when he's not catching. So I'm not sure there are enough at-bats for him right now. But at a certain point in time, they're going to have to figure something out because the International League is not really challenging him right now.
4: I wonder if they could, they could kick Spencer Steer to the outfield and open up an infield spot and play him at first base and DH, maybe. I, I'm just, just spitballing here. I mean, the, the crazy thing is, you know, the Reds could win the NL Central. That, that, that division is very winnable. They've got a lot of exciting young talent. They're only three and a half games out of first. I think if you're the Reds, you got to get, you know, I I know I've been advocating in past weeks with Matt McClain, Ellie de la Cruz, just get them up. You aren't going to contend this year, start playing them, figure out where they're going to fit. Well, I mean, nobody's wants to win the NL central. I think you got to get your best players in the big leagues and see what happens.
3: Yeah. If steer completely outfit, that might, that might work. And he, uh, he's, you know, dabbled there, and it's not like anyone currently in the Reds outfield is setting the world on fire. So, let's make that happen and get uh, Encarnacion Strand up to the big leagues.
4: Hey, hey, look, it worked. We we said that about McLean. We said that about Ellie De La Cruz. So now we'll we'll watch and sure. Christian Encarnacion Strand will be promoted to the big leagues before our next podcast.
3: But <laughs> before our next, but before we're done recording,
4: yeah, exactly. Like Ellie De La Cruz last week. All right, let's go to the mailbag. No, wait, wait, Jason. Before the mailbag, you have to come back and answer the question. Oh, I forgot. I forgot to, forgot they, to uh,
1: <laughs> come up with an answer. <laughs> ah, terrible. Jeez, that is terrible. All right. Well, you guys answer Johnny Jack's question first, and then we'll and come uh, back
4: and, and see if you have an answer for. Yep. For All right. Jim Callis's question.
1: Uh, so Johnny Jack, uh, Johnny J nine five five one three seven six six on Twitter says, with Quinn Matthews throwing one hundred fifty six pitches in his last start, as we discussed with. Stephen Schock earlier uh and pitching so much in the tournament does that affect how teams will view him during the draft and how do heavy workloads in college affect pitchers draft status
3: you know it's as we talked about when we were talking with with steven it used to be that teams would just have to sit after a guy was drafted and watch how he got used uh in in the college world series you know with the with the draft usually happening right after like right around now, and um, I mean, I think it has it has to have at least somewhat of an impact. You know, I don't think you're going to move a guy way up or way down, but there's I would imagine there's a little bit concern of concern. I, Jim, and how do you balance that off of uh, against seeing a guy like Quinn Matthews, who's been a a good college lefty? You know, knows how to pitch, but to see him step up and and, and under that kind of spotlight and pitch that well, I don't. Does that offset the high pitch count when you're trying to consider taking him in, say, round two? I I
4: think it does. I mean, I'm not not trying to minimize the pitch count in any way, and I mean, it's not a great look. 156 pitches, but you know, you worry about. I, I think there's concern. Yes, I think his performance actually probably helps him more than the pitch count hurts him. I mean, look, we know who he is. He was he was draft eligible last year, right? If I remember correctly. Yep. Um, it was a 19th round pick. Um, you know, he's not a big time stuff guy. And I'm not saying it matters. Like, you know, it's okay for Quinn Matthews to do 156, but not Paul Skeens. But like, he's not, he's not a guy who is going to, you know, I think he's going to go decently this year because there are no college lefties. And he might be the second best college lefty in the draft, at least performance wise, um, or maybe he's maybe the best performance wise, even over Joe Whitman. But I think you're worried about, you worry about it some, but it's not like he was throwing 156 pitches week after week after week. And you're like, okay, when's his arm going to fall off? You know, is it going to give you pause if Stanford rides him hard in the college world series? I think it will too. But I will say, and again, I'm not, defending 156 pitches by any means. And I, and I get what Steven said, like, look, the pitcher's never going to want to come out of that game. Like, like if you're, if you're Quinn Matthews, like it's, it's, you know, the, the, you're not coming out of that game. You want to get to Omaha. Like, like Steven said, you want to get there. You have more baseball with, with your teammates. He's not going to see these guys again. Cause he's going to go play pro ball. He's a senior. But, but the two things that like, and I get why people get agitated about pitch counts, but the two things that always annoy me a little bit are one that we're comparing college pitch counts to pro pitch counts. Guys are pitching once a week in most cases. They're pitching 16, 17 starts as opposed to pitching every five days, you know, 25, 30, 35 starts depending if you're in the minors or majors. It's it's not one-to-one. I also think it's it's higher stress pitches at the big league level than it is at the college level, again, not trying to say 156 pitches is good, but 156 pitches in college once a week is not the same as 156 pitches if you know AJ Smith Shawver threw that. You know his next start, it's not the same. And then two, I would just say again, don't think 156 <laughs> pitches is good. We've reduced pitch counts and we monitor pitch counts, and we're we're super careful with pitch counts. And the last I checked, pitchers are getting hurt more than ever. So I just think sometimes the the knee-jerk Twitter analysis of some of this stuff is very rudimentary, and, and they act like again, 156 pitches. Not saying it's good, but I, it's just like you know, it, like it's not the same. And like, it's not like pro ball has this great formula for keeping pitchers healthy. I'm not saying throwing 156 pitches is a great way to keep guys healthy either. But you know, having guys throw fewer pitches and throwing less and skipping starts, guys are getting hit or hurt more than ever. Um, so I, I, I pitchers, you know, who's to say if Quinn Matthews gets hurt, who's to say it was because he threw 156 pitches against Texas or who's to say it's because he, you know, tweaked his elbow funny throwing thrown slider, you know, next summer. I, I, I don't know, but I, I get a little annoyed by it all.
3: Jim, one thing I'm not clear on. Do you think 156 pitches is good? <laughs> Jonathan, I'm not saying that. I, I just want to clarify. I'm not saying that. I mean, just come right out and say it then. I mean, come on. All right, and we have we have one
1: more question in the mailbag. This comes from Jim C in Winnetka, Illinois who asks me uh if I were to go on and start my own podcast, which player would I have as my co-host? Um and after giving this much thought and deliberation, I think I'm going to stick to a prospect, a current prospect because that's kind of our world. I'm going to go with Royce Lewis, and I I missed him when he was on the podcast uh what a couple of weeks ago? Was it just last week? A couple of weeks ago, um, but yeah, when we when we uh, met him at the futures game, he was just the most down to earth, engaging, personable, friendly dude. Um, and I, I think he would. Uh, I think he'd make for a good co-host. So that's that's what I'm going that's with. That's a good choice. Not bad, right? Yeah. All right.
4: right would well, Jonathan? Would you go with Malik Smith or Julio Rodriguez? <laughs> Oh, man, I'm, not, I'm not
3: answering that question that was for oh, Jason.
1: Well. Uh, that next week's mailbag. I'll have to get the burner account fired up. All right. Uh, thanks again very much to Stephen Shock for joining us today. Thanks to Johnny Jack for his question. Thanks to everybody for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.